Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And we have a special episode for you this month. Just us, no guests. Intimate. I know, right? And it's, this is because we want to talk to you about fat talk. Yeah, because fat talk... Or like weight or body talk... Yeah, can be the worst. And we want to give some examples of what it is, talk about some of the research on the effects of fat talk, and share some pro tips on shifting the conversation onto some more positive, safer territory. Hmm, sounds great. Let's go. Oh, look at the size of my legs in these jeans. I can't believe how big they look. Um, those kinds of jeans make everyone's legs look big. It's not like you're actually fat, though. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, have you seen Zadie recently? She's got really skinny. She looks amazing. I know. I seriously need to lose weight for the summer. I need to get that beach body ready. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just hard, though, because it's winter and it's just all I want to do is eat really rich comfort food. I mean, did you see what I had for lunch today? Full fat everything. I'm so gross. <laughs> I don't know how you're not obese. It's easier to diet when it'd be warmer for sure. Don't worry. Wow, that actually felt quite uncomfortable to do. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously that was a little role play to illustrate fat talk. Um, Nadia's not even wearing jeans, by the way. They don't really wear jeans to work. Also, we don't know anyone called Zadie. Yeah, true story. And if you're listening, your name is Zadie, by the way. That clearly was not aimed at you or anyone else for that matter. We just picked a name. Um, anyway, as per our little example, fat talk or weight talk or body talk is conversations and comments that reinforce female beauty standards, which tends to emphasise being slim and toned. The term fat talk was first coined by Mimi Nichter and Nancy Vukovic, and it's basically when you trash talk your own or someone else's body shape or size. It can also include positive sounding comments like, you've lost weight, you look amazing, what's your secret? Ugh. And you may remember Professor Diane Newmark-Steiner talking in our eating disorder prevention episode about the link between weight talk and disordered eating. The third risk factor that consistently arises is that of weight talk being exposed to weight talk. And weight talk can look different. It can be weight teasing, weight bullying. So comments that are really hurtful by friends, family members, or just strangers. And weight talk can also be something that's intended to be helpful, but can actually have harmful consequences. So for example, a parent who is concerned about his or her child's weight may encourage that child to diet, may talk about their own weight, You know, a mother may talk about her own weight to a child or talk about other people's weight to her child. Those types of weight talk can also be very, very harmful. Just to contextualise the clip, Diane was saying that weight talk, alongside dieting and body dissatisfaction, are some of the most consistent predictors of disordered eating. Go back and have a listen to the whole episode if you've missed it. Diane also refers to weight-based bullying and teasing under the umbrella of weight talk. But for this episode, we're just going to focus on seemingly innocuous conversations between family or friends about size and weight. And spoiler alert, these conversations are far from harmless and there's a ton of evidence to prove it. Or technically, Nadia, in research vocab to indicate as such. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, So anyway, you won't be surprised to hear that fat talk is super common, especially among young women talking with their friends. Love how you're now spoiler alerting our episodes, Nadia. Um, But you're right, there's been a lot of research exploring fat talk among young women, predominantly conducted in countries like the US, Australia and the UK. And Rachel Salk and Renee England Maddox found as many as 90% of undergraduate women reported to participating in fat talk conversations with their friends. Also, some research, for example by Minnie Nichter, has found that young women engage in fat talk regardless of their actual size. 
Right, and the prevalence of fat talk is problematic because in the same way that exposure to multiple appearance ideal images um, can lead to increased body image concerns and disordered eating, so can exposure to lots of fat talk conversations where we have like the beauty ideal messaging. So for example, there's experimental evidence suggesting that engaging or even just overhearing fat talk can lead to similar negative outcomes, so your increased body image concerns and disordered eating. Mm, like Eric Stice's classic experiment where they found that just listening to fat talk caused body image to get worse a few minutes later in a sample of young women. Is that the one where participants are in a changing room? They're either trying on a jumper or a swimsuit and then they overhear a confederate fat talking in the changing room next door? Yeah, that's the one. Um, And I actually used to work in a popular clothing retail store and the volume of fat talk that used to happen in the fitting room was like, I can't wear this, look how fat I look. It just creates such a negative space. Yeah, changing rooms are definitely a high-risk zone when it comes to fat talk. Mm. Airy, the American Eagle outfit, a teen lingerie brand, do some cute things, I think, um, to try and tackle fat talk in change rooms. Like, I think they get customers to put up um, body-positive post-it notes on the mirrors. That's really cool, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's sweet. Anyway, back to women engaging or listening to fat talk. Research by Linda Lynn and Megan Sobey found that actively participating in fat talk conversations was a stronger predictor of young women's body image concerns and restrictive eating behaviour than just kind of passively listening to friends engaging in fat talk conversations. Yeah, that feels like it makes sense to me. Mm. Um, There's also a recent meta-analysis on the impact of fat talk by Jackie Mills, published last year, that's actually worth mentioning. And also, by the way, for our listeners, a meta-analysis is when researchers pull findings from multiple studies, and in this case, 35 studies. And what's particularly interesting with this paper, because prior, I think there's been a bit of a chicken and egg situation where it's like, does fat talk cause body image concerns or does body image concerns mean that you're going to be more likely to engage in fat talk? The preliminary finding from this meta-analysis is that it might be more plausible that fat talk is a risk factor for body image concerns and like internalisation of appearance ideals and social comparisons, rather than it being a consequence of them. That's a really great point. And also, we should point out that it's not just young women who engage in fat talk. As a study led by a friend of Carr, Trinity University professor Carolyn Becker, and colleagues, including Carr associate professor Philippa Diedrichs, found that among a sample of nearly 1,000 women in the UK, Australia and the US, aged from 18 to 87, 82 to 85% of those women reported to engage in fat talk. Not far off from that 90% found in that other study with undergraduate women. Yeah. Um, And that study is interesting as well because I think it's the first study that looks at old talk. So comments like, oh, I look so old, look at these wrinkles. Do you think I should get Botox? Yeah, and they found that 66% of women reported to at least occasional old talk with older women engaging in old talk more frequently. The study also found fat talk and old talk were related, which is probably unsurprising given that beauty ideals privilege youth as well as thinness. So if you internalise one aspect of the ideal, it kind of makes sense that you internalise others. But for me, what I think was particularly interesting in this study is that when they just looked at women 46 and older, so the group who engaged most in old talk, the link between old talk and body image and eating disordered behaviours became more pronounced. So the link was larger among this older age group compared to the younger age group. Hmm, That's really interesting and shows how different aspects of appearances intersect and can be more or less salient. Um, anyway, back to fat talk specifically. I mentioned earlier that a lot of fat talk literature is located in the US, the UK and Australia. What do we know about fat talk in other parts of the world, particularly non-Western countries, though? Well, unfortunately, if we just look at the research, it appears not a lot, um, which I guess reflects the kind of Western bias 
of most body image and indeed psychology research. Mm. Um, I did find one study though, one experimental study from 2013 by Lee and colleagues that compares how witnessing fat talk on Facebook affects young women in Korea and in the US. Oh, interesting to look at fat talk on social media. It's definitely a place for lots of comments and conversations about people's weight, shape and size. Yeah, so in the study, participants either saw a picture of a thin Asian girl or a heavier Asian girl. It's actually the same same girl, they just digitally altered the image so to change her body size, with a fat talk statement, um, which was, I want to lose some weight, does anyone have any tips? And then remembering that this is a picture on Facebook, there are like friend comments, so and either thin promoting comments, like weight loss comments, so, oh, I lost weight doing such and such, you should give it a go. Or weight loss discouraging comments, things like, oh, you're beautiful as you are. Okay, so just to clarify, either a picture of a thin um, or a heavier girl and a fat talk statement and either thin promoting or thin discouraging peer comments via Facebook. Yeah, exactly, that's it. Um, And then just to remember that participants were either American or Korean female university students. Cool, so what did they find? So the first interesting finding, I think, um, was that for the US participants, the size of the girl doing the fat talk didn't make any difference to their body satisfaction. However, for the Korean participants, when the fat talk was associated with a thin image, they reported significantly lower body satisfaction scores when compared to looking at the image with the heavier girl. Okay, so basically they felt worse about their body when the fat talk protagonist was thin compared to when the fat talk protagonist was bigger. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so were there any other findings from the study then? Yeah, so another cultural difference. So compared to when peer comments discouraged weight loss, When peer comments were thin-promoting, so like weight loss tips, Korean participants reported lower self-acceptance. But in this study, peer comments didn't make an additional impact to how American participants felt. Um, The study also found that in general, Korean participants reported lower body satisfaction and well-being, just to add that. I wonder if the fact that the image was always of an Asian girl actually made a difference. Maybe the American participants who weren't ethnically Asian didn't view the image as a relevant point of comparison. Yeah, quite possibly. I think the authors highlighted that in the limitations. The sample size also wasn't huge, so we can't make massive generalisations. It'd be great to have more research from other countries. Yeah, so if you're doing any or know of any studies, we'd love to hear from you. So, we've covered a bit on what Fact Talk is and a little bit on some of the negative comments. Before we share some pro tips and research to pivot Fact Talk conversations, let's talk a bit more about why women engage in Fact Talk so much. Good plan. Uh, So, fat talk conversations can be really jarring, but they're super common and it's so easy to find yourself sucked into the conversation. Yeah, we tend to reciprocate, don't we? Um, The, if you're fat, I'm huge, or stay engaged by saying things like, don't be silly, you're tiny, but this still buys into appearance ideals. Yeah, and research indicates that because so many women are unhappy with their bodies, women can feel like they should feel unhappy with their bodies and so therefore engage in fat talk. So kind of like a group belonging or conformity thing. A bit like Ash's study with all the lines. Nadia, you're such a psychology geek. Oh, I like that study. (laughs) Nothing wrong at all. Um, Just an observation. Uh, Other reasons women participate in fat talk could be to get reassurance from their friends that they are not fat, or as an excuse or apology for indulging and to absolve themselves of guilt. That's often associated with eating high-calorie foods. Like when girls say things like, I'm going to be really fat and eat a donut or whatever. Oh, for me, that's the worst type mm. of fat talk. It makes other people feel guilty about eating something when they might not have done otherwise. Yeah. Um, I think it can also be more subtle, especially 
now in today's wellness culture. So like, oh, I'm going to be really unhealthy and treat myself to insert whatever item that's not plant-based or gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever. Yeah, agreed. Also, I just thought, and we probably should have mentioned it earlier actually, but we should just point out how fat stigmatising and shaming all of these conversations are. We talk quite a lot about fat bias and stigma in our bariatric surgery episode, but just to say that negative connotations with the word fat are so harmful for people who are fat or of a larger size. And just before we move on to some tips to avoid fat talk, it's really important to be mindful of not dragging women and girls for engaging in fat talk. Fat talk really is a product of how society views women's bodies, how we should, what we should look like and how we should eat. And it can be really hard not to do it, especially when you're surrounded by it. Like, for example, I know it's personally not good for me and I know it's not good for the people that I'm around, but I can still find myself engaging in fat talk from time to time. I have to really check myself with it. Yeah, and if I'm brutally honest, I'm the same. But I've never heard you and we sit in the same office. Lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I kind of think that's because it's almost like an unspoken rule at car. Like, fat talk is not okay for the office. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I can't think of any fat talk conversations in the office. I think I take it for granted, actually. Right, and just to be clear, it's not necessarily because everyone at car is completely immune to body image concerns and is 100% body positive all the time. I just think it's because we know it's not helpful, and probably more than that, it's become a norm. Yeah, as much as fat talk is the norm in society, it is the norm to not fat talk here. And that's a great idea for our first tip as well, Nadia. Create a fat talk-free zone. This can be at work, at home, on a friendship WhatsApp group chat, or a pact between you and your besties. Yeah, I mean, this might be easier said than done, depending on the situation. So you could say that it's something that you want to trial or that you heard about it on a podcast and it's supposed to be a really healthy, supportive and generally positive thing to do. Yeah, so blame us. Say we said to do it if you need an excuse. Okay, so what do you do when your friends or family or co-workers are trying to engage you in factual conversation and you want to shut it down but you also don't want to be rude and hurt their feelings? Yeah, I mean, this is hard. I think generally my default strategy is to deflect comments with a smile and a semi-awkward subject change like... Wait, what's new with you? I want to hear your updates. Smooth. (laughs) Um, Well, occasionally I'll call it and say I'm not in the mood to talk about that. I guess it depends on your comfort level. You could also make it more personal and say how it makes you feel. So something like, I actually find conversations like this quite triggering. So my favourite podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, with Anne Friedman and Amina Artuso, they, a couple of episodes back, they respond to a listener question about how to respond to a body-shaming group chat. Yeah, and they've actually been super generous and have given us permission to use it in this episode here. Yeah, Mina emailed me and I, it made my day. She said that we'll do the Lord's work. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> do you want to take another question? Hit me. Oh my God. This one. Very near and dear to my heart. I'm in a few women-only group chats on WhatsApp with some of my girlfriends. I have noticed in one in particular, which is mainly used to arrange workout sessions, which are super fun. Let me tell you, exercising IRL with your best GFs is great. Can sometimes descend into that particularly female trait of competitive self-shaming, mainly over food. For example, oh my gosh, I ate so much chocolate last night. Never going to be ready for bikini season. I know, I just had two McDonald's meals in my hungover state back on the diet tomorrow, etc, etc, etc. I find this really negative as I have a long history of eating issues, so these sorts of messages can be pretty triggering. But I know it's common part of girl talk, and I don't want to stop them from sharing these probably silly just meant for a joke comments with each other. 
I guess my bigger question is how would you go about dealing with self-shaming part of this issue, as I think that this is a bigger problem, which has wider ramifications. Oof. Um, uh. So first of all, I don't think that it's normal to think that this is a common part of girl talk. Same. This is not normal. It's not normal on so many levels. And I have dealt with this on, like, many, 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 like, in many ways, some bad and some, like, less bad. Generally, for me as a fat woman, if somebody who is not fat complains about being fat, I always will gaslight them about it. Well, and not to mention the fact that, like, I mean, I I don't personally have an is- a history with disordered eating or eating issues or food trauma, let's be real. But I feel like as I've gotten older and as I have learned shockingly slowly how many women I am close to have struggled with these things and never talked about them, even though I've known them for years, is like now my default assumption is that if I am in a group of people, like some, a group of women especially, like someone in that group has like a history with this. And therefore, like, don't fucking say that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, even if you are, I mean, I feel like that's a convo for you and your therapist, or like, you know, someone else who helps you work on stuff like on you. But yeah, you're totally right. Like the idea that this should be or is a normalized part of group dynamics with women is so dangerous. It's really dangerous. I think that One thing that you can do, because I think that you're absolutely right, there's so much disordered eating in our own, like, friendships and community, and not having an outlet to talk about it is, like, really unfortunate. And I I don't think that your therapist should be the only person that you talk to about it, but I think that you should be able to have constructive conversations about it. So something like, I'm never going to be ready for bikini season is very different from I'm really struggling with how I am eating right now. And I think, you know, it's like, I want to make space in like my conversations to be able to have those real conversations, because it's true. It's like so many people struggle with like disordered eating and secret eating and like all sorts of like, I think, especially for women, we're so conditioned to, to not talk about it because you're supposed to be perfect, which is why the fact that when it comes out sideways like this is so annoying. But I think that your default assumption of like, this is something that somebody close to me is struggling with. So I should be careful about how I talk about it is 100% true. I wish we had like better models on how to talk about food addiction and and body image issues in ways that were more constructive as opposed to always going to that self-deprecating place where you know it's like really if you want to play this game there's always going to be somebody who's worse off than you and also it's really insulting that you do that. Yeah and I think the line can be kind of tough right between not so much among this particular friend group where it sounds like it's more like lightweight or silly or people are saying this stuff without really thinking about it too hard but I think even among friends where let's say most people identify as feminist and most people identify as like wanting to be kind of body pause the idea that it can be hard to talk about struggling with these issues struggling with food or like feeling shame about your body while not wanting to mimic that kind of mainstream I ate so much chocolate last night dialogue can also be really hard you know like the idea of like I want to share this with you I'm really struggling even though I know I don't want to replicate these narratives but like I still feel these feelings like and I, I I I don't know I mean I don't know I also for this for this listener I don't know how close you are with this friend group but I would say that like a little bit of trust in sort of saying like, okay, well maybe if I open up a little bit about my history or like what these messages mean to me, um, you know, I can't imagine that people who really love you would 
be so flip about continuing to send them. Like, I really can't. And I guarantee you that a lot of people probably identify with her, right? I think that it's almost that because you don't know how to talk about it in a healthy way, this is the only way that you can hint at it. You don't even have to share some of your history just to say, like, hi, like, I, I, I find this, like, a little disappointing that we talk like this, you know, is there, is there, like, a better way to do this? Or does anybody else feel the same way that I do? I think that putting the ball back in everybody's court is really important because group accountability is, like, really big. And especially for women who work out together, like, you have common goals, you have common pursuits and, like, passions or whatever. And I think that the idea of, like, talking about exercising as a way to be strong as opposed to as a way to be skinny is something that a lot of people really actually identify with. And, yeah, you're right. Like, taking the first step to just be like, hi, I find this problematic. Um, it's not personal. Like, what What do you think? I love that. And I was going to say something about that, too. Like, one thing I feel like some of my close friends, you among them, like, really model for me is when we talk about our bodies, talking about, like, things we are doing that are really giving us pleasure in our bodies. You know, like, being like, I'm, I just bought myself the best silk robe. Or, like, I'm taking a really long bath tonight. Or, like, I slept in. Or you know like I just masturbated for a full hour and I feel awesome like whatever whatever you know the thing is like these kind of like lightweight anecdotes about like what is life like in your body being able to share some that like model positivity instead of just like you know I did something that I now feel bad about like I I think that there is something that can be also positive about a group dynamic in like reinforcing you know when I get those texts from my friends I'm like oh I should do something nice for my body too you know like the reverse can be true yeah body shaming stuff is really it's really really tough because you're right like the line it's like how how you feel is 100% valid like that's the thing that I don't want anybody walking away from this conversation thinking there are reasons that you feel bad about the fact that you ate too much chocolate and nobody should invalidate that about you but also like there are ways to have healthier conversations around that and not contaminate everybody else in your group by the way that you talk totally So, um, yeah, good luck resetting with your group if you feel like you're up to it. Um, oh my god, I, this is, all of this has just made me really hungry. (laughs) I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go have this half of an upside down pineapple cake I've been saving, like, all day. Yes. It's like, that's what I'm doing for my body today. Ugh, I love to hear that. I'm gonna go get a big Sammy. It's lunchtime over here. I'm like, yes, all of that. I'm actually currently wearing a silk rope too. I just need to point that out. Like I was not, <laughs> that was not an abstract example. <laughs> we actually really couldn't have said it better. <laughs> um, what I really liked about that was the acknowledgement that you can have a bad body image or food anxiety day. And that's a product of the culture that we just live in. Yeah, and I love the body positive, body self-care role modeling bit. So that's two tips. Um, call out fat talk or body shaming in a thoughtful way by saying how it affects you or how you know it affects others and then share what you're doing that's giving you pleasure in your body just listening to that clip makes me want a silk robe (laughs) also um, I'm definitely taking Amina's line hey I find this problematic it's not personal what do you think throw it back onto the person yeah I'm definitely going to use that one and also that I find it a little disappointing that we talk like this is there a better way to do this I thought that's a really good way of turning around yeah and that also taps into research by Subana Brani and colleagues who found uh, using feminist language can be a socially acceptable way of challenging fat talk conversations by talking about how 
basically it's BS that societal beauty standards make women feel inadequate. Hmm. And research from the US led by Brooke Tompkins that shows that women perceive women who talk positively about their body as more likeable. Yeah, and another study, also from the US, by Catherine Tucker and colleagues in 2007, found that women tend to mirror body-related conversation. So if you talk more positively about your body, others might follow. Hmm, and that's actually another really nice tip. Modelling body positivity when you're talking with your friends. Yeah, and just to be clear, because I think sometimes there's confusion about what body positivity is, body positivity doesn't mean that you think you look really hot all the time. Mm, Yeah, I think people can worry about being body positive might come across like they're being vain or big-headed. Yeah, body positivity is definitely more about really respecting and caring for your body, accepting it as it is today. Yeah, right. Not like, I will love my body once I've lost X amount of weight. Mm, That's definitely an easy trap. Another facet of body positivity is body functionality, so appreciating your body for all the things it can do. So this could be appreciating your body for allowing you to run for the bus, draw a pretty picture, watch a great film, dance the night away, something that Nadia and I are prone to doing. Nothing wrong with being first on the dance floor, is there, Nadia? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) But um, body functionality can also include just enjoying that very satisfying feeling of having a good stretch or feeling comforted by having a big hug with a friend or a partner. Friend of the podcast, Dr. Jessica Lever, is an expert in body functionality and she spoke to me about it in our exercise episode. Definitely, go back and have a listen to that one. That's another tip, actually. Share body positive resources with your friends, like the podcast. Um, do you like what I did there, Nadia? Little plug. <laughs> uh, yeah, great idea. And you can also make recommendations to exercise classes that foster a positive body image environment where the instructor or facilitator doesn't engage in fat talk. And say stuff like, let's get rid of those bellies, ladies. <laughs> that, would, that would actually be my worst nightmare. Um, but that just actually just made me think of another tip, is to have critical conversations with your friends about the negative impact of, of fat talk when you've seen it or experienced it elsewhere. So, for example, if I found myself in an exercise class when the instructor was saying things like that, I might come to you and tell you how traumatic it was for me, how awful it made me feel, and, you know, if I was feeling very vulnerable that day, that now I have a complex about my belly. (laughs) Then, as your friend, I would remind you that you're so much more than your body, and that we would launch into a critical conversation about why society demands women to look a certain way, and the insinuation that the, quote, perfect, in inverted commas, body, can be achieved by any woman if only she worked hard enough and had some self-control. Thanks, Jade. I actually feel better already in that hypothetical scenario. You're welcome, Nadia. Um, So that's another tip, actually. Have critical conversations with your friends about the toxic impact of fat talk and that you have encountered outside your friendship group. So like in an exercise class, in a film or in a TV show. Yeah, and I think that's especially helpful if you don't feel comfortable with confrontation. So you're kind of like third-partying it. Mm, Isn't that passive-aggressive, though? No, I don't think so. I just think it's a less direct kind of sleuth approach to changing the conversations in your friendship group. Okay, so where are we with those tips? Create a fat talk free zone. Um, Tell your friends or family how fat talk statements affect you or can affect others. Call fat talk out and use Amina's iconic line, hey, I find this problematic. It's not personal. What do you think? (laughs) I literally can't wait to use that. (laughs) Yeah, and back up the problematic piece with feminist reasoning. Like society's BS appearance standards for women. Um, What else? Model positive body talk and have critical conversations about third-party fat talk. Demonstrate that it's not okay. 
Yeah, and something else that we haven't mentioned, and it's another pet peeve of mine, is stop saying things like, or try and stop saying things like, I I feel so fat today. That isn't a feeling. A lot of people say that they're feeling fat when they're feeling a whole bunch of different negative emotions. So like feeling tired or miserable or unattractive. And this serves to reinforce weight bias, that fat is a bad thing. Mm. Like we should talk more about how we actually feel. Mm, that is definitely a good one. Um, and is that it? Uh, I think so. Oh wait, one last one, sharing body positive resources. Oh yeah, that's actually an important one. Yeah, and a good step, I think, to help changing the conversation. Right, and talking of changing the conversation, we should wrap up this conversation for now. I'm just tired of talking about that talk. <laughs> you know. Just before we finish, uh, we know there's a couple of things that we haven't we haven't really spoken about when it comes to fat talk. So like body or fat talk in men. Yeah, and research has shown it's quite common and can be detrimental to their well-being. Yeah, and... As we said at the start, we didn't really focus on weight teasing or weight bullying. Yeah, but we do want to come back to both of those in different episodes. Yes, and we also didn't really get to research on weight talk between mothers and daughters. But again, that's because we're saving that for a later episode. Mm, Lots of exciting things lined up. And to make sure you don't miss out on any of those, please make sure you've subscribed. Also, do share this episode and help us change the conversation everywhere. Yeah, please do. And join us next month where we're going to be finding out what we can learn about resilience from people living with a visible difference. Looking forward to it.